The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Sponsored by Baker Hughes, a GE company inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, and I thank you for sharing time with us. I'm sitting here in Midland, Texas with Rick Gasser, and he is an inventor, an entrepreneur. He's been in the oil and gas business a long time, but I'm going to let him tell you all about his story in just a moment. How are you today, Rick? I'm good. Thanks for having me, and I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. Good. We, we are too. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get started, I want to ask everyone to help our show out by taking a few minutes to leave a review in iTunes. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. We are so appreciative of the reviews that we've received so far and for Apple choosing Permian Perspective to be on their new and noteworthy list. How cool is that? I was so excited when I saw it, saw it on social media, very excited, and I cannot thank Apple enough. Also, a special thank you to Bob for this five-star review. This is what Bob had to say. He said, we are new to the oil and gas industry and to the Permian. So I love the insights this focused podcast provides. It helps reinforce the activity we are seeing and the thoughts about where things are headed by people in the thick of it. Exciting times in the Permian, and we are grateful to be a part of it all. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Bob Koontz with High Reliability Group. We appreciate that five-star review, and we appreciate you going online after this podcast and giving your review. Okay, so we're sitting here with Rick Gasser. Rick, first of all, tell me, I know we've been longtime friends, but I want to hear your story. How did you get started in the oil and gas business? Sure. I was uh, I was raised in a little town in Wyoming uh, called Midwest Wyoming. My dad was a production superintendent for Terra Resources. So I have been uh, in the oil and gas business uh, for my whole life uh, with my dad and through my brothers and, and things like that. So uh, we grew up there, and I ended up starting to work at a uh, well service company, and I worked on a workover rig as a dairy can when I was 16 years old. And that's what I did for the four or five years going through high school and college there and and made made a lot of money that paid my education. And uh, so that was my first blush of the oil and gas and really learned it on the ground floor virtually and and how it uh, how it worked and how to work over a well and and learned that very strongly and, and found an interest in the oil and gas business. So then I went uh, went through college and graduated from the University of Wyoming. And through that time, my brother uh, had been transferred to Ira Ann, south of Midland, here with Marathon Oil. And him and I were very close. And so I start spending my summers in my early twenties down here while I was going to school, to college, and uh, worked many different jobs, construction jobs, uh, uh, drove a road grader one year, a backhoe one year, and things like that, just things to make money to go to school. And and so then when I graduated, I just gravitated to Midland. Uh, I'd been spending four or five years down here on and off and felt comfortable down here and, and found a job with a, with a local liner installation company and uh, went to work for them for a while and uh, found it to be something that I was interested in and ended up 
leaving that guy uh, pretty quickly. I don't, I less, less than a year and decided that I was going to go out on my own. Uh, that's always been my goal. It wasn't to work for somebody. I always want to be an entrepreneur and, and find things to do uh, for myself. So that's what I started to do. And I found a friend here that uh, was going to help me run some business through his business for a while to make sure it worked. And, and it worked. And then we, we founded a company in uh, January of 87, right after the probably the biggest, one of the biggest busts uh, here in Midland. Mm-hmm. And we started in 87 and um, made money. Uh, figured out that's the goal right right I mean <laughs> if you can make money when there's nothing going on that was uh, that was the trick so we we had that uh, going and and then about a year and a half later uh, my friend Dub decided he was going to pursue some other things and so I bought him out and and started on my own and and uh, it was a plastic supply company we we supplied liners for the oil and gas reserve pits at the drill sites that was our main line of business uh, we also did some odds and ends of Nylatron Delrin, uh, office supply mats, things like that to kind of fill the gap. But our main line was to uh, make oil and gas liners, and we were just uh, repping those from other manufacturers. So in the early 90s, we decided to start to manufacture our own liners. And that's when things really changed for us is uh, we just... Uh, got involved and figured out how to do it and bought the equipment and it was quite a experience for us but uh we grew that company pretty quick in the mid 90s and uh, so you took out the middleman and took out yeah took out the middleman started doing our own manufacturing and uh and turned it in from a little mom and pop place to a, a pretty good sized company you know had 70 80 employees back then and and then uh, as things got busier you know we went through many ups and downs, uh, probably four or five uh, downturns, steep downturns, where we would have to let people go. And that was that was hard. But that is a, that's a reality of the oil and gas business is you, you have to react quickly if you're going to survive. And I think that's where a lot of companies find their fault or where they fail is they're not proactive enough when it is going to slow down. And it's going to slow down. I mean, we hear now people talking about our economy is going to stay and it's gonna not have the uh boom bus cycle i'm not a fan of that i believe we are going to have it because there is a lot of oil in this world and and if the middle east ever calms down and figures out they can sell oil they can sell it cheaper than we can right now they can produce it a lot cheaper so they can sell oil cheaper and we can't especially with our new processes where we do lateral and fracking and those wells are very expensive you know they can be 12 million dollars and and so there's a there's still an economic pressure on the Permian Basin and there always will be because it's harder to get the oil here than it is in other places. You lived the ups and downs you were just saying uh, you know through it so that you're not a fan of that it's here you know that 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 we are not susceptible to another downturn. Uh what did you learn the most out of the ups and downs when you owned West Texas Plastics? I think the the biggest thing I like I talked about was being proactive and getting getting after it right away and cutting your cost and making sure you can still make money. Uh, I think we had our you know we had I had my company from uh, I sold it in 2012. I started in '87, so I had 25 years. That's a good time to sell, by the way. And we <laughs> never we never had a month where we didn't make money in 25 years. So, I mean, that was the, that's the thing is you've just got to 
know what's happening every day and watch your costs and 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 what's what your revenues are and make sure you're going to make money and uh, and not not take a bunch of debt on. I think that's that was one of my other keys and and to success was not to carry a lot of debt. So when the times were tough, I didn't have that huge payment uh, grow out of your cash flow. I think I see a lot of new companies in town with a lot of young owners that continually take dividends out of their company too soon. Uh, I didn't take a dividend out of my company in, until it was 15 years old and it could it could handle it uh, where it was mature enough to be able to take money out. Right. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's just a, a different in culture that I think people need to learn or take notice of that, that you've got to let, you've got to let it grow up just like your children, you know, you're going to send your children out when they're 10 years old and let them be on their own. You know, you've got right. to, you've got to let it mature and make sure, uh, your business is the same way. It's strong and profitable and, and doesn't carry any debt. And, uh, that was the biggest my saving grace through the downturns was not having debt. That's a great point. What made you decide to sell at that point? Uh, you know, you'd been in the business a long time. It was, I know it was near and dear to your heart because you started the company. How did you come to that decision? You know, it was really difficult really because uh, I love my people uh, and I love my, my employees and I love being around them. And, and it was a hard decision. I'd looked at it two or three times previous, but, uh, I just felt the time was right. I was in my mid fifties. Uh, didn't know if I would ever see, uh, that type of activity, revenue, income making period of time that we had had. So I knew the value of my company was very strong then. And, uh, and in selling, I would have an opportunity to grow it with other companies, uh, and maybe flip it again. So that was our goal. So we went out and pursued that, and, and it worked out very well. We sold in September of, of uh, 12, and uh, I stayed on for two and a half years, and uh, we acquired a couple other companies, and it was very educational and fun for me, but it was my time. I mean, I'd signed for 30 months to stay, and so then I moved on, and I'd do other things in the financial part of the world now, but... Uh, but it was a, you know, it was a great learning process, and I, I still mentor other friends or f family or whoever uh, about their businesses if they're going to sell. I've gone to lunch with several companies that are going to sell and kind of told them through the process how that worked for me and and uh, answered their questions. So that's kind of been fun for me as I've spent a lot more time mentoring uh, uh, small businesses on on where they go next. I know that you uh, believe in economic diversity because you do have some other businesses. Uh, what would you say to someone that maybe is thinking that because uh, often you think, okay, I've just got to stick to this one, but you've been very successful in diversifying your interests in other businesses. Sure. I think that's, that's always good. Um, you know, we're not going to be too diversified from the oil and gas industry in Midland. <laughs> we're but, all tied to it. <laughs> right. Uh, it's one way or the other you are, but, uh, but I am a big believer in that and, and you've got to find, and I, and I like the interest of other businesses too. I like to learn about other businesses and, and see if I can find a, a better way or a better niche or whatever. So, uh, I think that's, that's a great thing. Uh, but it has to be with a mature business that can help you do that because not every venture that I uh, got into was successful. Um, you still, uh, it's still about a 50, 50 deal when you get into other businesses because you know, it's not, it's not easy and it's not, 
easy in the Permian Basin at all because of the competition that's coming here because it is the world scene now. It's not just uh, Midland, Odessa, Permian Basin. Nobody knows who we are. We are we are what the world talks about, and we are where everybody's coming. And uh, so the competition is going to be fierce here, and that's the part that causes me concern for other businesses in town because you've got to make sure you're making a profit and and a lot of people are so focused on cash flow. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people they they hear the success stories but they don't always hear all the failures that got them to the success stories. What have you learned from your failures that have helped you get to where you are now? I guess failures bring humility. You know, you think maybe I've got the, everything I touch turns to gold and people think of that of other people and probably thought that of me, uh, before, but I've had my very share, my, my big share of failures and, uh, failures are expensive and, uh, but they happen. And if you're going to risk capital, uh, you're going to lose some. So, um, you know, that's the part about diversity. That's tough for people to, to handle and, uh, and don't, don't get too down when you fail because it happens to everybody. Uh, not anybody has ever gone hunter for hundred. So, uh, it just happens and, and just learn from it. And what you learn is the mistakes that you made, uh, the decisions you made when you made them. Was it not timely? Was it finance side? Was it, did I not have a good product? So you just take an inventory of that and, uh, try to get something out of your loss. And that's, that's knowledge. I love how you and your wife refer to the 25 year overnight success story. Yeah. <laughs> People think it just happened overnight. Yeah. I get, it, I, get, didn't. I get to speak uh, once in a while. To, uh, I'm a university of Wyoming grad and they invite me to speak to their graduate students once in a while. And, and that's how I get their attention is I say, uh, yeah, it was an overnight success. And man, everybody, then everybody wants to hear your story. Right. And I say, yeah, it just took 25 years. So whatever you do, if you do it diligently, you work hard at it, you're 100% invested in it, it doesn't matter if you're making donuts or liners or producing oil. If you're going to work at it and you do it to the best of your ability, you're probably going to be successful. It's just going to take time. And, and that's one thing you just can't do without. You need the experience of it. You need the, and you need to enjoy the experience of it. You know, it is, it is fun when you look back, when I look back at my career, probably the most fun I had was in the early nineties when we decided to do some manufacturing and figure out how to do that. And grow the business. Yeah. How did technology help you grow the business? Because I know, uh, we are in technological, technologically advanced times. Let me get that right. Um, how did that help you grow your business? Well, it does. It helps you to reach out not only to the, the, the U S but to the world, you know, we sold product in China and Russia and I mean, shipped some stuff to, to, uh, Pakistan once, which was very difficult and wouldn't ever do it again, but, but you, you know, learned, <laughs> yeah, but you learned something, but you, you know, the technology, not only in the internet, but also the technology of the equipment that we could use and the, uh, the equipment we use to seal our material and, and how it changed even from the nineties to the, you know, to, to the mid to 2000s, 2010, you know, the technology of the equipment gets so much better and you can make a better product faster. And mm -hmm. that's always good in business if I can do better and faster. Right. 
Where do you see the Permian five years from now? I know we all wish we could, you know, just guess or know or, you know, just kind of uh, shake that magic cue ball and say, well, here's what's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen? I know I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably one of the best answers I've heard to that so, question. Nobody knows, right? Yeah, you don't know. And, uh, all you know, really in what we tried to do uh, in our business was six months at a time. And uh, because you just don't know. I mean, something could happen tomorrow in the Middle East and, and oil could go to $200 or something could happen where – um, these trade things get blown out of proportion and and all of a sudden Saudi Arabia decides to push out a bunch of oil and it goes back to 17 or 15 or 10, you know, so we don't know. Uh, I know there's a lot of smart, smart people that think they know and they are always surprised when the bust hits. So it's going to happen. Just be prepared, you know, like I said before, be prepared. Don't have a lot of debt. Don't dig it in too deep. Grow with what your capital permits you to grow. I know it's a big carrot out there and seeing that you can, I can get this work, I can get this work, I can get this work, but I have to go borrow money to do that. So I would say just be careful with that. Grow within your means. It's okay to make a little bit of money and be safe. And then when the downturn does come, then you're going to be the survivor and you won't be the one that you read about in the newspaper. What is your most used business tool that has helped you over the years to get you to where you are today? Uh, I had a coach in high school uh, that coached me in football and golf, and uh, and he always taught me. He believed in me. He's my, probably my first mentor, and he passed away yesterday, so oh, it's I'm been so a sorry. rough week. But this guy has really come to my mind lately, and uh, I remember the thing he taught me was always take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. So I really paid attention to detail and make sure we did the right things all the time. And, and it did. Uh, if, if you do those things and you pay attention to the little things, uh, the big things generally do, because if you're doing all the right other, other aspects of your business, it usually is going to be successful. So that's one thing that I've always lived by and trying to profess, and and I try to teach others today, too. What do you think is the most important lesson you've learned, Not and it could be beyond business, just in life? I think the hardest lesson to learn is humility, and that's a daily growth for me. Uh, I want to be a humble man, and to have success and be humble is difficult, but it's a great goal. And uh, I work at it every day. And so that's what I want to be known as, as a humble man that gave back. And uh, that's where I'm at today. And you do it beautifully. Well, really I try. Do. Thank you very much. That kind of, uh, this may be the same answer to the, to the next question, but I want to throw it out there anyway. What do you want your legacy to be? You know, I've thought about that before. And, you know, really, you know, you have your, your children and your grandchildren and things, but you know, lately I've done a lot of mentoring and I, I enjoy that. And, uh, I do it for free, which is even more, um, more exciting for me because I'm not doing it for the wrong reason. So, you know, I just want people to remember that you know, I was a nice guy and I did the right thing and I was a Christ follower and I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe I'm going to heaven and I want others to go with me and I want to help people as much as I can. Wonderful. It's a beautiful legacy. Yeah. 
Uh, tell me, do you have a favorite book or podcast that you listen to that has, uh, you know, either shaped you through the years or that you go to whenever you need that inspiration? You know, I'm not a big reader. I, I read some. I do some uh, books on, on tape or uh, whatever they call them. I, now, I so. consider that reading. <laughs> That's how I uh, read, too. I do some of that. And, and I do watch a few podcasts, but usually my podcast is of a service that I missed because I was out <laughs> playing golf or something at church. So I don't really have a favorite podcast. I'm looking forward to a podcast that I know that's coming. Patrick Payton's going to do a podcast called... Uh, uh, no neutral moments. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited. Uh, Patrick and I are friends and, and I'm excited to hear him and, and it should be in next couple months, I hope. And so that'll be a podcast that I listen to. It's nothing I do very often. And, uh, but I may, if, if it, you know, I, I love the way he teaches. I know I'll be listening to that one. Yeah. And for anyone that is not familiar with the Permian Basin, that because we have listeners all over the world, thank you everyone all over the world. Uh, Maybe we could explain who Patrick is. He founded Stonegate. Yeah, he's a, he was our the pastor at Stonegate uh, Church here in, in uh, Midland, a very large church and a great teacher. So I'm looking forward to getting back and listening to him. He had, he's, has uh, stepped aside at that church about uh, six, eight months ago, and, and I've kind of missed his teaching, so I'm looking forward to that podcast. Me too. I'm going to subscribe to that one. Uh, what about a favorite quote or Bible verse? You know, Bible verses to me are... Uh, daily. I tried, I have an app and there you go. Technology. I have the Bible on my phone. And so when I find a few minutes, I try to read something or, you know, the Bible to me is a living book. It's not a book that you just read. It's a, it's a book that has all the answers and it may not be the same answer every day. But today was, uh, I was reading uh, Psalms three, uh, verse five and six. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So that's kind of what I was reading today. And uh, that's what's on my mind. I was uh, trying to trust the Lord today in the loss of my friend and know that, you know, that's going to happen to all of us. And the older you get, the more you realize that. Mm -hmm. So just make sure you live each day and, and uh, do things that, that, uh, that God would want you to do. The Lord would, would inspire you to do. Great advice. If you had one piece of advice to advice to give to our audience that you know is new to the business, maybe they're on a similar journey. They want they're an entrepreneur. They want to have a business like grow like yours did. What would that piece of advice be? It all really to me it comes down to relationships, uh, and and most businesses are built on the relationships of not only your employees but your customers, and 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 a lot of it is your customers. So in my business. You know, I tried to know all my customers, and we didn't have a lot. We had about 300, so I could I could know most of them. And I think that's the biggest thing is to realize that the personal touch is still important and to answer your phone. Don't have a machine answer your phone. Answer your phone. Be personable to people. Uh, I know it may cost a little bit more money, but we always going to have someone answer our phone and try to be friendly to our customers and let them know they're important. And I think the secondly is your employees. You have to you have to treat your employees as family because they are your arms and legs of your business, and uh, they need to know that you you value them not only in financially, but you know know about their their families, know about their kids, take interest in them because they know you. Mm -hmm. You just well know that. And I know it's hard when a company's big, and and but it still can be done, uh, even if it's in segments. So I think that's that's my 
my my word of advice would, would be is employees first, customer second. Wonderful. Let's give a shout out to some of your businesses if you want to. I know you're very diversified. If you want to let everyone know what you're doing now. Sure. What I'm doing now is uh, I, I sit on the board at Security Business Capital. It's a accounts receivable factoring company. I also help another guy in town, Kevin Harrington, at Cornerstone Funding. Uh, he does the same type of business. It's accounts receivable factoring. We, we uh, pre-fund invoices for smaller companies. And then I have a, a real estate company that we buy and uh, lease out homes, commercial buildings, and things like that. And then I also uh, a majority owner of about 12 Fuddruckers restaurants here in Texas, New Mexico, and one in Oklahoma. But you know, primarily in West Texas and then in three in Albuquerque. So those that's my uh, that's my daily workload. Uh, I have people that run those companies, so I, I don't really have uh, direct employees anymore. I still have my assistant that works with me, but that's really what we're doing is is kind of helping out smaller businesses, and it's been kind of fun and and a lot less pressure. And if you come to the Midland Odessa area, the Fuddruckers are in the malls and they have the best French fries ever. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we just remodeled that building. So we're kind of we're happy that, that that's a little bit nicer. And it looks great. Yeah, it does. And I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, really good. Uh, finally, Rick, I know when, when you said, OK, Krista wants to interview me. I hope that I get this out to the listeners. Is there anything that maybe I haven't asked you that you really thought was important that people know about you or a business in general? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, a lot of people know who I am, and, and uh, you know, I was part of the Odessa Jackalopes uh, organization for a long time. I, I ran that hockey team, and with my partners of the Nybergs, and then we turned it from professional to juniors, and that's when we stepped aside. And they're still in business and doing that. So there's there's things like that that I've done, and that's kind of where people know my name, I guess. And uh, and so, you know, not a lot. I just I really just want to be a a good community member, uh, and I want to say thank you to our community leaders uh i've thought about doing that before but i know what that entitles and how much work and how much criticism you take and and that's a tough job and so i wanted to say thanks to them for what they're doing because they have a a big task in front of them here in midland with all our infrastructure problems and taxing issues and you know it's always easy to chirp from the sidelines so if you're going to chirp too loud, put your hat in the ring and get after it. That's good advice. I like that. <laughs> Do you want to chirp anything? You want to tell no, them anything no, about I'm, the infrastructure? No, they they probably heard it more than they want. So uh, no, it's been, uh, you know, I've been in Midland since, uh, well, we're Midland, Odessa area. We've lived in both cities and, and, you know, we've been here for, I've been here, I guess, 34 years now. And then my wife is a lifetime resident. Uh, she was born here in Odessa. So uh, you know, we, we've got deep roots here and we love it here and we'll always have a home here. And uh, I think that's the hardest part for our local people is, is the growth is hard to sit at a stoplight three times is hard uh, <laughs> when you're not used to that. So I think it's something we're going to have to get used to. I think we're going to get larger as the time goes and, and, uh, you know, there are just going to be fewer and fewer Midlanders, but, uh, that's the way it works. And right. uh, we're, we're, we're welcoming all those people and, in town and we hope they find somewhere to worship and we would love to have them at Stonegate if they want to come visit us. Another good plug. There That's great. Go. It's a great yeah. church. Well, Rick, thank you so much for sharing time with us today. I really appreciate it. I love hearing your perspective. Uh, I think it is wonderful for people to get to know you a little bit better, know your story, because uh, once again, it, overnight success that took 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I love that story and I love all your advice. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're I welcome. Appreciate it. Welcome. And thanks for having me.
Well, we started a new segment recently called Community MVP. And so we want to uh, announce who today's Community MVP is. And it's Pioneer Natural Resources for being the main sponsor for the annual Bustin' for Badges. Now, Bustin' for Badges is an annual sporting clays tournament benefiting the Midland and Ector County Sheriff's Offices and the Midland and Odessa Police Departments, who we cannot thank enough. They do such a great job. Now, since its establishment in 2014, the tournament raised over $1.6 million in gross proceeds for our local law enforcement agencies. Each of the four law enforcement agencies use the funds to purchase new equipment and technology to better serve and protect our community. Way to go, Pioneer, and all the sponsors for this year's Bust In for Badges, and thank you to our law enforcement. They do an incredible job. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us again. I want to thank our sponsor, Baker Hughes, a GE company. And I want to thank all of you for listening today to Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us that review. If you have any questions, if you have a guest you'd love to hear from, please let me know. And remember my motto, dream big and believe in yourself. You make it a great day. <music>